Welcome back, everybody. This is The Breakfast Show as Liam wakes up. Yeah, sure <laughs> <laughs> the jet lag is hitting hard. Not the jet lag, the daylight savings is hitting hard when you set your alarm clock for the end of the news. <laughs> so you know when to make the light. Right. mics go live again. Time to go. <laughs> uh, fun times, fun times. Uh, okay, so it is Encounter with God time. That means yes. we get into our Bible study. 20 million people studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. You get to be one of them today, which is amazing. Uh, we are studying 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 17, which means that get ready for a slap in the face. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. By the Bible, by Peter. Um, don't blame me for what this passage says because I didn't write the Bible. I think we should just get into our Bible yeah, study and just start reading it through. There are so many things here we can talk about. Brilliant. Uh, so let's just launch straight into it. Why don't you start reading for us? Second Peter chapter two, and <laughs> we will uh, <laughs> we will start in uh, verse one. And of course, Liam is mentioning that his mum is on Queensland time. Actually, my dad is too. Dad's in Toowoomba. Oh, yeah. So he's had to t- change his clock to listen to the breakfast show. Yeah. There He's like go. that. He's pretty good when he knows people are doing something. Like if he has friends who do different things, he'll be like, I'll listen. I'll listen to that. Okay. Um, sorry, so chapter two, is that what we said? Chapter Second two, Peter. verse one to seventeen. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a big passage. Second Peter or First Peter? Second Peter. Oh cool, oh cool. Chapter I was two, there. Chapter two. Yeah, and then I second yep. guess myself. I was like, wait. <laughs> Read verse ten. Read verse ten. Just to just to give you a a, a bit of a flavour for this passage. There's Brilliant. there's like a whole passage of this, but this will just give you the flavour. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I told you, didn't I? Did I say get ready for a slap in the face? Mm, okay, so he is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. Okay, so going back to verse 1. <laughs> oh, wait, when we're in 1 to... 1 to one to 17 is what we've got. Oh, okay. Big, okay. big, big passage. So cool, cool, cool. We'll, we'll take we'll a few verses at a time yeah. and we'll, we'll break it down. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so, but there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their own evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money, but God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. Okay, let's, let's stop there for a moment. This is the point at which Peter's like, I am not holding back. Yeah, no, he's just going. He is, it's, it's almost a little bit Jude-like. Yes. <laughs> you know, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? Uh-huh. Is, 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 uh, is like, yeah, I'm going to do a bit of uh, old mate Jude here this morning mm. and, uh, you know, just pull out those two big six guns and start blazing. Oh, yeah. It's it, just, uh, it's just, he's it's not like, I don't up. have time to like be nice about this. Like, this is, it's serious now. That's we right. need to chat. Like, okay. And, and do you think that this kind of preaching is popular today? No. This. How long since you heard a sermon like this? Okay, well, actually, I listened to one the other day. Oh, you did? But, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was online, and um, th- that was actually one of his points. He was like, he was like, how often do you hear this? But it wasn't, even then, it wasn't quite this. It was close, but it was, it wasn't gentle. It was quite, it was pretty solid. But yeah, I do, it's not often. <laughs> how often do you preach sermons like this? Well, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, it's almost a little bit daunting to preach this kind of a sermon. Yeah, yep. I'm really glad that Peter wrote it because that way I can stand up in church and read it mm. without comment 
because it kind of doesn't need any comment. It's just what the Bible says. <laughs> and it's like, well, sorry, guys, don't blame me. I did not write the Bible. I'm not the author of the Bible. If you have a problem with this, take it up with the Holy Spirit, who is the author of the Bible. Mm. But this this was still a letter, yes? It was. Because I do think, I mean, I know that's not exactly what we're talking about, but there's somewhere that, is it one of Paul's letters, where he says that he doesn't write the way he speaks? Is that Paul? Where his letters come across quite strong sometimes, but he also says, you know, I spoke with, I was with you in weakness, fear and trembling. Like, could it be that Peter was writing this letter that was a bit like, Doof, but and, he would have presented differently? And isn't this kind of how we are as human beings? Oh, for sure. You know, we're much more strident in a written format than what we are mm. when we're talking to an individual. Yes. Because so often when we write, we write to the masses. Mm. And when we speak to an individual, then we speak within the context of that person's life journey and who they are and where they are in life and in what is the best way to be winning for them. And why you're even having that conversation, like if you're having to bring up these points, if you're speaking to an individual, you're going to know a little bit of their background at least That's right. to have this conversation. And this is this is the advantage between a sermon and a uh, versus a Bible study. Hmm. Because in a sermon and in a letter, you know, particularly a broad letter like this one where Peter's writing to the church, hmm. uh, you can be much more specific mm. and say stronger things without the person feeling targeted and, and insulted. Mm. Okay, so in a Bible study, it can be very challenging to um, to really hone in on an individual's particular sins in a way that is just like very, very blunt. You're going to be more tactful in a Bible study. Mm. Whereas you can preach that same sermon and that person, you know that that person can sit there in their anonymity because the rest of the audience doesn't know what their issues are. The rest of the audience doesn't know what their problems are. And you can hit that subject much harder in a sermon than what you can in a Bible study uh, because of the environment. And this yeah. is why we need all these different forms of communication. And then, of course, in a letter that is written to the Christian church, then, hey, it's just like, well, why hold back? Just... Uh, stated how it is, uh, and when somebody reads this, they can come under very, very deep conviction without having to be publicly shamed and named. Mm. All right. So let's work through it. The Bible says there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers amongst you. We're talking about education. And, of course, uh, we're here we're talking about teachers, and the Bible speaks about false prophets and false teachers. They exist in the Bible. They are recorded in the Bible. Um, and the Bible goes on, Who shall privately bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Mm. That I actually find quite interesting, that swift destruction. Because if we look at, say, like Israel, in context of human minds, like some of the things that God says to them, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, it might take decades. 100 years or, yeah, hundreds and hundreds, you know, or, yeah, decades or, you know, whatever the time period. And our human understanding, we're like, that's not that quick. Yeah, that's really quick. Do you know what God. I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In God's time period, is like, yeah, okay, five minutes went by. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. He's like, yeah, it's come, like it's time. But there's also been a lot of patience there. But 
tremendous amount of patience. But when I read this, I'm like, hey, why is it swift? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the Bible continues on. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And this is one of the challenges that we have as Christians is that, you know, so often I talk to people who are not Christians and their objection to Christianity is not an objection to the theology of Christianity. It's an objection to Christians. Mm. And this is something interesting that you find happening in society. Let me let me just philosophize here for a moment, if I Brilliant. may. <laughs> if you look at the history of Christianity, because today's Bible study really is all about authority and, and, and Christian authority. Mm. If you look at the history of Christianity, Christianity used to have a level of authority. And the reason that it had a level of authority was because it wasn't caught, wasn't scared to speak about sin. Hmm. And that's what gave it its moral authority. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So let's go back, say, 120 years. That's not a long way back in history. And let's look at Christianity. Let's look at Protestantism or evangelical Christianity 120 years ago. In a country like Australia that's highly mobile or was highly mobile then, you had people who moved here, they moved there, they moved all over the place. Mm. You know, compared to Europe where someone would be born in a house and die in a house, Australians, you know, the new world, America, Australia, etc., uh, people were very, very mobile. There was a gold rush, so you go to where the gold rush is. There was, you know, this would happen or that would happen. So and, you know, people just people moved all over the world. Uh, they'd often come from other parts of the world, and so they're very open-minded to the idea of being highly mobile. And when you move into a new area, there you have to re-establish roots, you have to find employment, you have to have, you have, to have credibility to do any of that. Mm. And the way that people found credibility, you know, 120 years ago, turn of the century, and before that, in the in the century leading up to that, was by the fact that they were seen as being a good, moral, upstanding person. So they're trustworthy, so you can employ them. Yeah, fully. And the way they were seen as being a good, moral, trustworthy uh, kind of person was by the fact that they were a member of a church. And the reason that that meant something back then, which it no longer means today, is because back then the churches were not scared to call sin out for what it was. And if you were publicly living in sin, in other words, if you had an issue with alcohol or if you were beating your wife or if there was you know, some form of immorality or lying or stealing, whatever it might be, then you could not get into that. You could not become a member of that church. In fact, if you moved to a community and like, well, I want to be a member of the local Presbyterian church, they would investigate your life. Before they extended membership. Wow. And that gave a certain level of moral standing. It was like a reference, Hmm. like a really, really solid reference. And so the church had a certain level of moral authority back then because it was interested in calling out sin. Sin no longer exists in Christianity. People don't talk about sin. People don't read this passage right here and preach sermons on it anymore. And because of that, Christianity has no moral authority Hmm. and it has no moral credibility. Now, we can look back 120 years ago and we can point to a lot of faults in that system and we can say, oh, yeah, it was just legalism or whatever. But the reality is that uh, when we had that kind of a system, there was an authority that did exist. Hmm. 
that no longer exists today and our society has changed because of it and now we have a situation where people look down on Christianity because it's like, well, these are the people who talk about things and don't actually do them. Yeah, they have no integrity. Yeah, Mm. no integrity whatsoever at all. Yeah, yeah. And so it has, you know, given rise to a tremendous amount of individualism. It has killed empathy within Christianity Mm. because human beings are naturally selfish yeah. And when you're not a part of an organization that has an expectation of you being an unselfish person, or even now where you have the prosperity gospel and you're part of an organization that has an expectation that you are a selfish person and actually caters to that selfishness, hmm. yeah. then it has killed empathy amongst Christians. And we've become cold and stone-hearted and... It'd be I yeah I think it'd be I don't necessarily think it will happen but I think it'd be very interesting if all churches did suddenly start to preach this sort yeah, of yeah talk message. about what what sin actually is like what what reaction you would have because I actually think in some ways you could have amazing revival in the past yeah. this is how revival happened yeah because sometimes you know how sometimes well I don't know if you've experienced this but there have been times in friendships or different interactions with people and I just haven't dealt with the situation well and maybe in hindsight I'm like man that actually wasn't that great but sometimes I actually haven't realized the impact it's had until someone has come and gone do you realize you just acted in this way and da 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 and I'll be cut yes I'll be like oh we've all had that I don't want to be that and sometimes I can be aware but sometimes I'm not and it actually takes another person who's willing to um who's willing to kind of call me on my nonsense <laughs> like for me to realize, whoa, that's actually, that is exactly what you did. But because you can be in your own head and, and we like to justify it. We go, oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, you know, like, and I actually think that if you had passed to do that, now for sure some people would be like, oh, they're this, they're this, they're, you know, that's just, you're being nasty. Whatever. I actually still think you're giving people the chance to see areas where they need repentance. Yes. Absolutely. Mm, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, I mean, back, in the, back in the day, the highest moral authority in the community was not a JP. Yeah. yeah. It was the pastor. Uh-huh. You know, and, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why that has changed. But there is a place for authority, much as us Australians. I was going to say, of, we, <laughs> we struggle with this one. <laughs> yeah, struggle with this one. Yeah. All right, let's keep reading right here. We were up to, we we read verse 2, they follow their own pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Through and through covetousness, I think yours says greed or stealing Mm -hmm. or something or other. Greed, yeah. Greed, uh, they shall with lies uh, make merchandise of you. Oh, don't hold back, Peter. Make hey. merchandise of you. How would you like to be made into a piece of merchandise? Yeah, it doesn't sound too good. It doesn't sound good at all. It sounds like the prosperity gospel right here. Yeah. Um, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation does not slumber. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Bible speaks in the in the strongest possible language of religious leaders who use their religious authority, which is the wrong kind of religious authority. Uh, to make merchandise of you. In other words, you become a saleable, or salvation becomes a saleable um, item and you become a cash cow Mm. for their greed. And that summarizes the prosperity gospel right there. The prosperity gospel is pastors who are just involved in big business and looking for ways to be able to 
um, you know, draw as much money out of you as they possibly can. Yeah. I remember, so my mum's parents were missionaries um, and so my mum was born overseas and whatnot. I think they both went there as teachers. So my pops, his history, he um, had grown up, I think he was quite, his family was quite devout Catholic. Um, He became an accountant and then he um, went into a, a Bible study and, Anyway, he, he became part of um, the Adventist church and um, went to a college. Um, I can't remember. He must have studied something to do with high school teaching because I know he ends up teaching. Anyway, they go overseas. They're both teachers. And I remember talking to my grandma recently and she said, you know, when we went, we never thought we were being ripped off. We knew that we were going into it for the service of God. We wanted to be there. We weren't going to get paid very much. And she just said, like, kind of her generation um, who were going through employment by church, um, not just one denomination but across a few, there was kind of this expectation of that. It was like, yep, we don't get paid that much and that's okay. Now, the reason that changed a bit was because maybe people were abusing that and people were going, oh, we don't have to pay you as much. And so, you know, things changed to try to be fair. But it's it's been interesting when I've talked to people who have kind of – part of seen a bit of that transition they're going yeah we on one hand parts should have a wage you know the bible says if you don't um work you shouldn't eat and you know like there's there's a dignity in working too but it's just something it's more something i think about i'm like yeah we okay 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 let me let me jump in if i can okay, you go. Here's, here's the way to solve all of christianity's problems uh-huh. right in one go okay sack every uh clergy person in the world Huh. Like all clergy, just yeah. sack the lot. And just see who keeps doing it. And six months later, re- re-employ those that are still going. Yeah. Problem solved. Within Christianity, problem solved right uh-huh. there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me actually. You know? Yeah. Because then you're going to have uh, clergy mm. that you know are in it because they're called. Yeah, because they're going to do it regardless. Yeah, that's right. They can't do anything else. They, yeah. they just... They're just impelled to do it. They, you know, mm. The word of God is shut up like a fire in their bones and they are weary with forbearing and they cannot stay. The <laughs> book of Jeremiah. <laughs> you know, they just can't hold it back in. Mm. And so they, they, just, they just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so let's continue on in our passage here. Where are we up to? Verse 4 and 5. Yeah, let's, let's read verse 4 and 5. Okay, so for God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment, so God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. And verse 6 as well. Okay, later God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. Okay. Um, yeah, strong words. We're going to come back and we're going to work our way through these strong words here in just a moment. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We do have one text message that has come in. That our, our one and only text message for today. Hey. Everybody's, everybody's quiet today. I think everybody's just... Yeah. That's okay. The, the daylight saving is starting to really mm. bite. Yesterday we had a bit of adrenaline. Like, today eh. it's just like, whoo. Um <laughs> And this is in reference to obviously the uh, what we were talking about earlier about events taking place in the United States, particularly mm-hmm. in the Supreme Court in the United States in relationship to religious liberty and people being in prison for their faith and also laws over there um, that are <laughs> just creating all kinds of you know racism in and of themselves. But uh, yeah, anyway, 
the comment was, what happens in America happens in the world. Ooh. And that's very, very valid. Yeah. It's a very valid statement right there. Maybe not all the world, but a significant Absolutely. portion of the world. Okay, so we were talking off, off air. We were. Very interesting conversation. We came to the conclusion that in Christianity Day, sin exists, mm. but sins don't. Yes. Specifics. Yes. So we will happily talk about, oh, I'm a sinner in need of a saviour. We're all sinners in need of a saviour. What we don't talk about is sins because sins don't exist anymore Mm. because we've we've moved into an environment of, well, uh, all you need is Jesus and if you have Jesus then um, I don't judge you, you don't judge me, we don't talk about sins. Sins are impolite to talk about (laughs) and yet the Bible talks about them. Yeah. So if the Bible talks about them, should we be afraid of talking about them? No. And you gave an example and then yes. I gave an example. So let's start with your example. Okay, so I was just talking about how when I was a teenager, um, the short version is a bunch of us were talking. We had kind of all grown up in a church culture and a bunch of people, including people who were studying um, to eventually become pastors, they just went, you know what? We don't really know that the Bible actually talks about sex before marriage. Like we know that the culture is, you know, church says we shouldn't do it, but there's no biblical explanation or reason that we've ever heard and we'd all grown up like I was probably about 17 at the point you know we had probably between 17 and 22 year olds and all of us kind of held it and I remember I remember after that I went yeah I need to go and find you had out some ministry Bible. students there yeah, yeah yeah and like and you know like this was years ago um so you know I'm assuming they've done their own studies I don't know never talked to them about it but um I just remember that was a time that I was like oh yeah, like I believe that, but at the same time, I also have never actually been shown biblical reasoning for that. That's because we talk about sin, but we don't talk about sins. Yeah, yeah. And I then brought up an example of I was studying with a young person who was preparing for baptism, and they were uh, had grown up in an Adventist home. We were going through the Bible study on the law and grace, which is you know one of those kind of thing Bible studies you do. We talked about the Ten Commandments, and we went through the Ten Commandments. And one of the commandments says, the seventh one says, "Thou shalt not commit adultery." And and so he asked me like, "What does that actually mean?" And I'm like, "It means you don't have sex with someone you're not married to." And it blew his mind. He could not. He just could not wrap his head around that concept. Mm. He's like, "The Bible says that, really?" And this is a kid who has grown up in the Adventist church. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and you know that's 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 a shame on 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 our church, but I don't think you're going to find it that different in any other church. We don't mm. talk. We talk about sin, but we don't talk about sins anymore. Mm. Peter here is not scared to talk about sins mm. and the result of sin, and to talk about it in the strongest possible language. He begins with the angels in heaven, then he moves on to. Uh, the time of Noah and the antediluvian world. And he's talking about the result of sin here, uh, that the angels in heaven were thrown out of heaven um, down to this earth. Then you have um, Noah and how the antediluvian world was flooded and drowned. And then you have Sodom and Gomorrah that was turned to ash, became an example to us, the Bible says. Yeah. so he gives a list of examples and he's like, okay, this, this, is, this is what happens. This is the result of sins, mm. unrepented of, unforgiven, unsurrendered sins. And I actually believe that this, um, speaking, what, like we could read this and be like, that's very harsh, like this is very, but I, I, deactivated my, I deactivated my Facebook recently. But before I did, I saw this little post, which I thought was interesting. It said, um, 
Oh, I wanted to say all your little friends who allow you to stay in the comfort of your bad habits don't love you nearly as much as the people who will – what did I say? As the people who want better for you or the, or the people who will – People who call you out on what you're yeah. doing wrong. Yeah, it was something like that. And I just read it and I was like, oh, yes, that's – I concur. And I think that – I think when I read this, that's kind of what Peter Young, he goes, man, I actually want your salvation. Like we need to understand that this is, this is a consequence of sin. Sin will destroy your life. If I never let you know that this thing is going to destroy you, I don't actually love you nearly as much as I think I do. Because, you know, it's like, oh, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's like, but you want them to, like, destroy their life? And I'm guilty of that, by the way. I do, also, do, do, you like, want, <laughs> do you want them to lose out on eternity? Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I fully get why we do it, by oh, the way. Oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. I don't like confrontation. No, man. I hate confrontation. Yeah, fully. This is pretty confrontational. Let's keep reading. The Bible says, verse, well, read verse 7 and 8 for us. Yeah, so, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Okay. Interesting story about Lot. We could spend I was going to say, that's a whole different rabbit hole we could Yeah, we could spend a lot of time talking about Lot. The next verse goes down another rabbit hole. Uh, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Mm. There's a whole hellfire rabbit hole right there. The Bible so says, things. Bible says, not being punished right now, they will be punished in the future. Hellfire is not burning yet. That's what the mm. Bible says. Reserved unto the day of judgment to be punished. Keep going. Verse 10. Okay, so he is especially hard on those who follow their own twisted sexual desire and who despise authority. Those, these people are proud and arrogant, daring even to scoff at supernatural beings without so much as trembling. Keep going. Yours has got a bit missed out oh? in verse 10. Oh, what does yours say? But chiefly those that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous they are, self-willed, they are afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Does yours have that? No. That, sorry, they are, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. No. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring, not, bring no railing accusation against them before the Lord. Interesting. Keep going, keep going. Okay, so but the angels who are far greater in power and strength do not dare to bring from the Lord a charge of blasphemy against those supernatural beings. Yeah, keep going, keep going down to verse seventeen. Okay, these false uh, these false teachers are like unthinking creatures, uh, unthinking animals. Sorry, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. They scoff at the things that they don't, do not understand, and like animals, they will be destroyed. Uh, their destruction is the reward for the harm they have done. They love to indulge in evil pleasures in broad daylight. They are a disgrace and a stain among you. They delight in deception, even as they eat with you in your fellowship meals. This is so hectic. This, like he's just, just going hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he's talking. He's not talking about you know the the uh, um, the worst of the worst of the worst. He's talking about the people who at fellowship lunch exactly, at church. Exactly, exactly. Because you're, you're reading it down through, and it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. There's some pretty bad suburbs around here where you would see this kind of stuff. But no, it's like no, 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 this is this is this is the people at fellowship lunch. Yeah, yeah. Keep reading. Ah, uh, we probably better finish off. You guys can read this for homework. Man, you guys got to read this and have a think. You do. You just, gotta, soul, you just got to. You just got to. You just got to. You just got to let it soak in, mm. and you got to let the Bible speak to your heart. Absolutely. Yeah. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so it is now time for 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he's still asleep. <laughs> he's still asleep. Okay, we'll try this again. It is now time for Question of the Day. Okay, so what is our question of the day today? Okay, so this is part two of yes. the who and what is the significance of the men of valor? The David's, David's mighty men. David's 37, mighty men. 37 men who were David's mighty men, uh, three of them who were mightier than the others and one who was chief over all of them. These were his super warriors. These were his uh, personal guard. They were the royal guard. They were well, a part of it anyway. They were uh, men who were undefeated in battle. They were... You know, these these were serious heroes who had done you know amazing feats, um, powerful, strong warriors. Okay, so yesterday we looked at who they were. Mm. Today we're going to ask why did they exist? Yes, why did it matter? Why why would David need warriors? Mm. Doesn't the Bible say, "Thou shalt not kill"? Isn't killing something that should be avoided as a Christian? To answer that question, we need to understand why God says, "Thou shalt not kill." While ever a person is alive, they have the opportunity to choose salvation. Yes. When they are dead, they no longer have that opportunity. And that's what we call, that's the, the, the phrase that we use in Christianity to describe that is that their probation has closed. Hmm. So when the, when the opportunity for salvation no longer exists, their probation has closed. That can happen one of two ways. One way is that you die. Your probation is closed. The other way is that you commit the unpardonable sin. Your probation is closed. That's a question of the day for another day. We've done that one before. <laughs> we can do it again. Um, so either which way, you are no longer in a position of being able to accept salvation. Mm. Now, as human beings, is it our right, is it our prerogative to close someone else's probation to choose when therefore opportunity for salvation is ended. No. No, and that's why God says thou shalt not kill. Mm. So then why did the death penalty exist? Why was Israel commanded to go to war? Why was there something like the Amalekite genocide as an example? And here's what you'll find. You will only find God's people going to war under the theocracy. Mm. You don't find it outside of the theocracy anywhere. It only takes place under the theocracy. And the reason that it only takes place under the theocracy is because you can only actually do that under a theocracy. The word theocracy, as opposed to you know democracy or something like that, is theocracy is government by God. And God can choose when a person's probation is closed. God can make that decision either for an individual or for a nation or otherwise because and the reason that God can do that is because he can see and read a person's mind, see and read a person's heart. And he can see whether there is any possibility for them to ever come to him again. And if there is no possibility, then they've committed the unpardonable sin. Uh, then you know there is no problem with taking their life because, in many ways, what you're doing is you're just uh, you're just shortening their pain and suffering. We do that for our pets all the time. Mm. We do that for our pets because we are all knowing about our pets in comparison to what they know. And God is all knowing in comparison. He's all knowing of everything, mm-hmm. in- but particularly in comparison to what we know. And so he can make that decision where we can't make that decision. 
And so God made that decision in a number of different ways. Uh, you'll find that God ends people's lives in sometimes creative ways. The earth opens up and, and, and swallows Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. You've got fire comes down from heaven and destroys you know, several groups of 50 that tried to kill Elijah, etc. But sometimes he uses his people to do so. And this is why you only find God's people fighting under the theocracy, when God came in and God was able to direct. You take God out of the equation, now you're living under a democracy here in Australia, and that's not an occupation that we can involve ourselves in. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.